Welcome to the first episode of the Tiga Tactics podcast. I've got the founders and owners of Tiga Tactics on the line with me, Dr. Conrad Bowie and Patrick Vuong. So, uh, Conrad, say hi. Hey, hey, hello, hello. Um, uh, good to uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're honored as well, too, to uh, be interviewed by you, Evan. Uh, we're super excited to be here. Thank you. And Patrick, say hi as well. What's up, guys? Welcome, welcome to the show, and thank you, Evan. Yeah, we really appreciate this, and it's it's going to be great fun. Yeah. So uh, there, my name is Evan Preparis. I'm one of the hosts. We got uh, kind of three hosts over the course of this podcast series. Uh, we're going to be t- jumping into you know what is Tiga Tactics. Because this is the first episode, we just want to kind of for anyone who's not familiar with the brand, we want to introduce you to the owners, the founders, and then talk about you know what makes the brand unique why this is going to be a valuable podcast for you to subscribe and listen to and share with your friends, especially in the martial arts community, anyone who's looking to get into the self-defense world or combatives world, and talk a little bit about the history of it. Um, so let's start off real quick. We're going to do a deep dive episode later with Conrad and Patrick and myself's background. But real quick, give me the abbreviated one-minute version, uh, Dr. Conrad, of who you are, and then we'll uh, jump over to Patrick after that. All right. Uh I'm just a martial arts nerd. I've been doing martial arts for a very long time. Uh, in the process, I've been able to uh, train in many different styles, uh, sometimes three styles concurrently. And uh, I- I'm just a martial arts junkie. And uh, I-, I my goal is to share that that martial arts, the benefits of martial arts and what I call the martial arts love with the world. Gotcha. You're you're greatly underselling yourself there, but I'll save that, some of that for later. Uh, Patrick, uh, quick intro on who you are. Yeah, sure. I, I've been training in martial arts since 1995, but uh, my love with martial arts started way earlier. Um, and three people influenced me. One is, uh, of course, like everybody else, Bruce Lee. Uh, you know, you, you, you know whether you're around when he was alive or whether you watch him on VHS or or DVD later on, or streaming. Uh, he's just this icon, this icon who influenced everybody everywhere in the world. Uh, number two would obviously be my cousin and my co-founder of Tiga Tactics, Dr. Conrad Bui. Uh, he's my older cousin, and so literally since I was a baby, I saw him doing martial arts, and I was like, oh man, I I want to I want to be like him. I want to do what he's doing. And then uh, the third person would be my dad. And that's because he had a love of martial arts movies. Again, going back to Bruce Lee, he would watch Bruce Lee movies. So we would be sitting at home watching movies together. And that's really what started my training. And um, and again, like Conrad said, you know, we would just want to share what we've learned and help people protect themselves and their loved ones. Awesome. And my name's Evan Preparis. I'm actually active duty in the military still for about another year. And I'm a uh, special forces officer, currently the uh, officer in charge of the 1st Infantry Division Combatives Gym. I'm also a professional obstacle course racer, so I do that at a fairly high level, uh, competed in some pretty big events and done done pretty well over the course of my decade-long racing career. And uh, as my military career and obstacle course racing career has kind of started uh, fading into the, uh, into the background, I've started amping up a lot of the martial arts stuff. And I stumbled across Tiga Tactics. Uh, from a Black Belt Magazine e- email, uh, took a couple of their programs, fell in love with their methodology, which we're going to get into, and I just kind of attached myself to Patrick and Conrad, and they can't seem to get rid of me now. So here we are. <laughs> hey, we're, we're not wanting to get rid of you either, so uh, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> Sounds good. So 
let's start off with Conrad. Tell, take me through, you know, take, let's go with what is Tiga tactics in your own words. And then we'll jump over to Patrick for like some of the history on how it started. Great. Um, Tiga tactics is basically an approach uh, to, to make, make people safer. Uh, I, I often say we're civilian self-defense, civilian combatives, for civilians, by civilians. Uh, we're not law enforcement. We are not military. And so we don't operate under those rules of engagement. Uh, there, there's a lot of different uh, aspects that we want to approach as a civilian. And it's not just also about being effective at defending yourself. Uh, it, it's it's also an approach on how to live life as as a uh, a productive member of society. And so, uh, Tiga Tactics is that approach. We like to think of it as a 360 approach towards self defense. And on top of that, we want to layer that with, you know, how to how to just live your life so that you have more enjoyment, you have. Uh, more benefits out of life. You, 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 you're just a productive member of society. So it's not just all about combatives and fighting. Although we're, I, I believe we have one of the most cutting edge approach to combatives and self-defense, uh, but it's not just all about that. And so when we teach, we like to, we, we like to uh, sprinkle in our teaching uh, with with how to go and, and conduct your life so that your life is more fulfilling and enjoyable as well too. I love it. Absolutely love it. Which again, which is why I'm still here. And Patrick, tell me a little bit about the founding of Tiga Tactics. Yeah, go. Uh, I'll speak from my perspective because Connor has a really great background on it as well. But but for me, uh, you know, again, I started training in 1995. I got my my black belt in Kempo Karate like three and a half years later. Um, and so I've been te teaching martial arts for for a really long time now. But once I started teaching women's self-defense around 2006, 2008, I realized how there was this big void between traditional martial arts and basically what is reality, what is the violence on the street. And that time frame is when people really started using cell phones a lot. And I would observe not just, you know, grownups, but also kids and women just stuck on their screen already. And this is 2008, you know, phones have been around for a while but now that at that time technology just started skyrocketing and so now you could stream videos and things like that and they were just so focused and i was teaching women's on the fence and just watching these people just they, i just see prey everywhere i go i'm walking on the street and people are on their phones and they're not paying attention i was like oh man i gotta help because if i were a predator i would easily be able to kidnap this woman and throw her into my car and and, and so i started teaching women's self-defense and i started having this goal of, of creating a company that would bridge that gap between traditional self-defense, combat sports, reality-based self-defense, and just a general lifestyle, uh, you know, a, a kind of a prepared, preparedness lifestyle. And, uh, and, and that, it took a few years, but eventually, um, you know, Connor and I started talking and, and he just said, hey, we, we should team up because between the two of us, we have more than six decades of experience and and that's kind of where it's gone and and how this came to be nice conrad anything to add to the story yeah well uh, uh patrick's side as well too you know we we, we came from similar paths but from, from slightly different paths as well too uh 
I've been training martial arts since a kid. I, I competed in uh, combat sports. I started with point sparring as, as a teenager. Uh, I eventually uh, got into Muay Thai and then uh, competitive Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well too. On top of uh, traditional martial arts like uh, Silat and Kali and Kung Fu. Uh, uh, and, and there was always... Even though I, I learned and eventually I, I was certified to teach in all these systems, uh, there was always a level of insecurity that I couldn't shake. You know, I could have easily just uh, leaned on my ego, so to speak, and just say, hey, you know, I'm a badass. Nobody can mess with me. I know all these techniques. But deep down inside, I, 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 was wonder I, I always wondered, if somebody attacked me, how would I defend myself? Do I bust into a point sparring mode? Do I take them down and, and arm, arm bar them? Do, do I clinch up and, and try to knee them in the face? Uh, uh, sh should I uh, use some C-Lod, sweep them to the ground, try to break their arm? Uh, should I use this? Should I use that? And so all those approaches, in fact, uh, caused me even more confusion. And so uh, I, I, I took that confusion. And so I, I, you know, one thing that philosophers and Bruce Lee included, uh, they often said to be brutally honest with yourself. That is a very tough order because it, it's so easy, especially uh, if, if you trained in martial arts to uh, to say, hey, you know, I already know everything. I'm so badass. Uh, uh, if they do this, I'll just do that. And, you know, some martial artists will say, I don't need to to train or run. You know, that's why I train martial arts, you know, things like that. And so it, it's so easy to lean on your ego and ignore that uh, uh, the doubts, and so uh, I, I did not do that. I I I I thought, hey, you know, I have this uh, these doubts. I have this insecurity. Let's 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 fix this. Let's let's use this as an avenue to improve ourselves. And so um, I, I just like Patrick, uh, when cell phone footage, security cam footage started hitting the internet, I thought, oh my gosh, that is a powerful tool that a lot of my previous um, uh, lineage of teachers never had an opportunity to use. Uh, I, I don't care if you're doing Kung Fu, I don't care if you're doing even Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or Muay Thai, even Krav Maga, those uh, teachers, those founders, they didn't have footage of that. And so when they devised their method of self-defense, they devised it based on what they thought would be an appropriate response to what they thought would be an attack. And so, uh, for example, if you're you're doing Kung Fu, let's say Wing Chun, you know, you're, you're really defending against a lot of linear punches and they developed a very sophisticated way to, to counter attack linear punches, uh, straightforward energy, very sophisticated ways to counter the counter and then counter those counters. And, in fact, the deeper we dive into that, the further we're moving away from the truth eventually. Same thing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we, we hit the ground and then we, we've got a counter to the counter to the counter to the counter. And, and then we have very subtle moves to the, the counters and this and that. And eventually, you know, the sport Jiu-Jitsu moves kind of far away from the combatives as well, too. So uh, I kind of instinctively knew that. And then it was confirmed when I was able to watch those cell phone footage. And, you know, it, it, as a martial arts nerd, since I've 
grown up in martial arts. I did deep dives into so many arts. I was really blinded by the fact of how does that person attack you? And so when I watched the cell phone footage, finally, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how somebody attacks. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, we, we were able to categorize, there's, there's basically four major attacks that will happen on the street that can uh, cause injury, can cause uh, some serious problems to your health there and trauma. And so uh, luckily, the situation wasn't as complicated as I thought, because as a martial artist, you, you know, we, we learned so many responses to so many different attacks. Eventually, we, we it screws with our mind, you know, and if, if um, people uh, have studied combat sports or they've studied uh, uh, violence or firearms or performance, uh, they've probably heard of Hicks Law, which, which, which roughly states that the more responses you have to stimuli, the slower your response will be because your, your mind's like digging through uh, a file of possible responses and uh, you're not responding naturally. And so uh, that's what happens when, when we have too, too many points of data. And so uh, anyways, luckily street level attacks are pretty simple. Uh, we found that generally uh, someone who attacks you on the street that's untrained, they'll probably attack you like someone who's in seventh grade or fifth grade even. And, uh, uh, and so we were able to discover the patterns of these untrained attackers. Yes, if you're up against somebody who's a golden glove boxer or a BJJ purple belt or a high school wrestling champ, uh, you got your, your work cut out for you. There's no doubt about that. But if you're up against a typical street fighter or, or um, typical attacker on the street that's untrained, they have very simple responses. And we were able, through our study, figure out those responses. And then the next phase was to figure out the proper re uh, responses to those attacks. And so the next phase was, uh, so the first phase was like trying to figure out how someone might actually attack you. And it is not like what we learned in the school, the dojo, or even in the ring or on the mats. And so, uh, the, uh, so that was the first phase. The second phase was to figure out a, pro a proper response, an intelligent response, an efficient response to these attacks. And so uh, I was able to, uh, from my background, try to sift through all these arts that I've learned. And uh, uh, so some arts, they contributed a little, some arts contributed a lot to the response. It was literally like having a group of martial artists sit down and say, okay, you, Mr. Taekwondo guy, how would you respond to this? You, Mr. Sealot man, how would you respond to this? You, Mr. Jeet Kune Do guy, how would you respond to this? You, Mr. Bagua Zhang, that's Kung Fu, uh, how would you respond to this? You, Mr. Muay Thai dude, how would you respond to it? You, Mr. BJJ instructor, how would you respond to this? And so I, I sifted through all those, those points of data, all the, that knowledge there that I've accumulated over the years. And the thing is, I, I had those arguments inside my own head. Like, I, I would say, okay, you, Mr. Taekwondo, you, 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 you take a seat because you really have nothing to contribute to here at this point. And, and I was able to do that. Uh, 
so even if you took a group of martial artists, you know, like like the 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 Jeet Kune Do guy, he wouldn't be sure exactly how the Taekwondo guy contributed because he didn't really learn Taekwondo. And the Muay Thai guy, he wouldn't know exactly how the Silat guy could contribute because he doesn't know Silat. Well, I was able to honestly say who had what and who who had the advantages and who had the deficiencies of, of certain responses. And and so I, I, I formulated um, what I thought were efficient responses. And then uh, I, I took them out. I pressure tested them. You know, I had friends take a knife, say, hey, try stab me with this. Just, 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 just go for it. And then I, I would try different responses. Some things fell completely apart. Like, oh my gosh, I thought this would totally work. I trained this in Kali for like 10, 15 years. Come on. It, it, it just completely fell apart. I was getting cut up left and right. Uh, and, and, and so eventually I found uh, some logical responses to those simple attacks. And we pressure tested it. And then uh, we came out with some some responses. And then the next step was to figure out a training progression. So there were three steps to it. Figure out what was actually happening on the streets, figure out how to have an appropriate response. And then the third step was figuring out a logical way to train things. And uh, so uh, when we train Tiga tactics, uh, there might be elements of Tai Chi, there might be going slow. There might be elements of firearms training, slow, smooth, fast. There might be elements of, of, of Muay Thai and BJJ. Okay, we go for three minute rounds here, uh, uh, you know, using the pad work. And so I, I believe Tiga Tactics is, is unique. It's unique. It's not Krav Maga. It is not uh, uh, Army Combatives. It, it is unique in itself. Uh, the other thing I will say as well is that uh, Tiga Tactics is not a style. It's not codified. Um, we never want it to be. If if we find a new way to train, we'll scrap the old training and throw in the new training. It, we, we, we have no ego. If we find a different way to approach um, uh, defending ourselves against a punch, we'll scrap the old one and throw in the new one. Or we'll add elements from things that we learned. So the Tiga Tactics from three years ago isn't quite the same as the Tiga tactics of today as well too. So it's not a codified system. It's, it's just an approach um, based on just a lot of different data points. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. Sorry. That was a lot. <laughs> like, and you answered, you started answering all my other questions. You're just knocking things down. So that it was a abbreviated, abbreviated way to get through a lot of the information. I want to comment on a couple of things before we do that though, tell people what Tiga means. Okay, uh, Tiga comes from the Indonesian word of three, and uh, that's a nod towards the Silat system. Uh, and that's kind of where Tiga tactics came from. I, I, I was looking at Silat, I thought, man, this is such an effective art. Why is it not working for me? <laughs> but uh, we, we did take a lot of Silat uh, concepts as well, too. And uh, Tiga means three um, in, in Indonesian martial arts. Uh, there's a, a foot pla platform called Lanka Tiga, which is the footwork number three, which is a triangle footwork. And we see the triangle in many different arts, whether it's Aikido, Kali, Silat, Kung Fu. And so uh, uh, that's where the Tiga comes from. And some people get it confused with Taiga, like a tiger. And I'm cool with that. It sounds like tiger. So, hey, call it Taiga tactics. I'm good with that. 
Nice. The I wanted to comment on a couple of things you said. One, the fact that you had studied this is some of the as an outsider coming in, this is some of the things that really attracted me to the brand, right? One, you had studied all these different styles. Uh, same thing with you, Patrick. Well, I mean, not quite as extensively as Dr. Conrad, but you both had studied so many styles. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, well, maybe maybe I haven't learned the solution. Like you've learned a whole bunch of ones and they were able to distill it down. So I like that. I like that you actually looked at identifying the problem through real world footage, right? Because we can we can speculate how people are going to attack all day mm -hmm. and we can speculate what things are going to do, what people are going to do. But when you have actual footage, and like you said, that wasn't available, you know, 30, 40 years ago, that you can really kind of refine and come up with a very good system. And then three, um, one of the critiques of a lot of martial arts, uh, traditional ones, is like they don't pressure test or ones that aren't linked to a combat sport is there's no pressure testing. Mm -hmm. And I like that you pressure tested. And um, we got other episodes planned later. We're going to talk about some of the, the pressure testing. Yeah, I got to pressure test like the knife defense thing as part of a military training opportunity. And it it worked really well. It was it's a it's a pretty cool story. Uh, but we'll we'll get to all that stuff at a at a later time. Cool. Uh, Patrick, anything to add to that? No, Conrad hit that one out of the park. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about. So uh, you've studied a whole bunch of systems, and you mentioned that Tiga Tax is not a system. Um, talk to me about like combatives versus like traditional martial arts, and um, kind of some of the the nuanced differences there. Uh, uh, Patrick, go ahead. Yeah, so traditional martial arts, if if people out there have not trained in any, uh, you know, they're probably used to seeing, uh, you know, people studying karate in their the white white gi or white pajamas, as they might call it. Uh, it seems very regimented, um, and that is uh, uh, to me traditional martial arts is a is a combination of uh, many different and very cool aspects. You're 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 learning a codified system it's been passed down for generations in some cases you know thousands of years uh in other cases maybe just a couple of decades uh but it carries and and language and technique and all these really cool cultural aspects uh and, and if you look hard enough or you train long enough you'll find the martial in the art uh but the problem is a lot of people they only study one martial art and they think it's the ultimate way. It's it's going to solve all their violent problems, no matter what the attack is, no matter where they are, no matter who the bad guy is. And that can be a problem because, as Connor mentioned, you know, you do enough training and you do enough research, you realize uh, that's not <laughs> that's not how it plays out in reality. Uh, combat sports is um, uh, it, it it takes you a little bit st a step closer to reality because now there is pressure testing. Uh, combat sports could be anything from boxing, which you know everybody knows around the world for centuries, uh, all the way down to more modern combat sports, which is like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, where you're rolling around on the ground and you're grappling. Uh, I just came from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, and it's it's great. It's it's a meritocracy because um, I tapped out people who were not as good as me, and people who were better than me tapped me out, <laughs> and that's just the way. There's no hiding. Even though there are belts, there's no hiding your skill level. You're either going to be good against somebody or you're going to be bad against somebody. Whereas in traditional martial arts, you don't want to uh, disrespect anybody who's higher ranked than you. So you may be able to kick their butt, but because they're 10th degree black belt, uh, you you might pull back. Or they might say to you, oh, we can't spar because I'm too deadly. Mm. And so you know that you have that problem of, of hierarchy, honorifics, and all that sort of thing. 
Um, but the cool thing with combat sports is that you get one step closer to reality because you, you're, you're really going out there, of course, uh, guided by a set of rules so that everybody stays safe. Um, I think what Tinker Tactics does is take it a step further where we're simulating real attacks based on real research and we're going 100%, you know, 100% power, 100% intensity, but we're using safety gear and we're, we're using, uh, you know, understanding between our partner and we and we do it progressively. Uh, and, you know, we might get this more into this later, but we don't just go, uh, we, we don't meet a new student. We're like, okay, 100%, let's go. You know, we, we take it really slow. And then once they build their form and structure, then we go smooth, which is like 50% speed. And then we, and then once they got that down, then we go 100%. And, and then by that time, they'll have the right solutions, the right responses with the right form and everybody stays safe, but it's realistic. So there's been many times before we launched the attacks where Connor and I were, were experimenting and, uh, you, you know, I just, I, I, I just didn't have it. And so, you know, we would just run it, run the drill, run the drill, run the drill until finally I'd have the response that would save my life. And then I was confident enough to do, to do it at hundred percent, uh, you know, hundred percent power, hundred percent speed. So, um, that's kind of the difference between the three, what, what we would consider the three phases of, of training. Yeah, no. And it's, I, the first, uh, Tika tactic seminar I went to, I brought my two brother brothers-in-law is that the term for multiple brother-in-laws uh the two of them who have never trained they've never trained martial arts and um you know they they had a good time they uh got sweaty and they worked up all the way to the um through the entire seminar you know without being like oh i've never done done any of this stuff before so they 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 were able to adapt and uh handle it and with you know with a lot of uh i i feel like so i'm on the army side, we have combatives in the army. There's a modern army combatives program. The sometimes people criticize combatives for because they compare it to a martial art. It's like, well, it's it's not you're not as if you went to the master's course, you're not as good as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. It's like, well, yeah, I know because that guy's been training for a decade, like every week, multiple times a week, and we train for, you know, accumulatively. It's like to go from beginner all the way to like master combatives in the army. It's a cumulative total of about seven weeks of training, right? About eight hours a day for those seven weeks. Um, usually people don't take him back to back to back. But um, the simplicity of it, like you were talking, uh, Dr. Kramer, with the with Hicks Law and like you're going against an untrained attacker. It's an immediate response. You know, it's it's enacted violently and, you know, strong. And then, you know, you're getting to a solution uh, that allows it, you to save your life or leave the area or in our case, as the military, we we call in for help, right? I call in for support. And uh, realistically, as military combatants, if I need to be able to survive long enough for my buddy to come over and, and fix the problem because we usually have more people than them uh, in most close quarters situations, at least in my experience from Iraq, uh, primarily. So, Right. And, and let me uh, say something about uh, how you, you dragged your brother-in-laws and stuff uh, to our seminar. And you know, this is one thing a lot of teachers, as well as the students themselves, tell us during a seminar or after a seminar, uh, you, you'll have people with like zero experience. In fact, we we had a, a person who was kind of anti-violent completely, but at the end of the seminar, it's very hard to distinguish who's been doing martial arts all their life and who, who just started just a few uh, like a, a day ago so uh, uh that that's one thing that 
a lot of our participants, as well as people uh, who observe our training, uh, have have told us that wow, you know, I I I couldn't tell who's been doing this their whole life and and who was the beginner at the end of your seminar. Yeah, and the seminars, the, I've been to a bunch of different seminars for different styles. I will say for Tiga Tactics seminar, when I when I walk out the door at the end of a weekend of training, I feel more capable at the end of the weekend, right? So sometimes the seminars are like, here's a thousand techniques. And you're like, mm -hmm. I can't remember anything. <laughs> but when I come out of Tiga Tactics, even if I already knew all the techniques going in, the fact that we get to rep them so many times and then mm -hmm. pressure test them and refine them and, you know, maybe... You can change, you can, you can work on some, like, you know, I'm wearing a different style of clothing this time. I'm wearing a different jacket, I'm a different t-shirt, you know, whatever it may be. It allows me to walk out of the seminar and, and feel better and more lethal when I, when I walk out of the seminar. So cool. Yeah. Great stuff there. So I, I would highly encourage anyone who's taken the online courses to also follow it up with an in-person seminar if you have the opportunity or we can travel to one. All right. What else? Anything else before we uh, close out the first episode? What did I miss for talking to you, tactics, founding, et cetera? No, no. Uh, we're, we're just honored to have you and, and uh, with us and honored to uh, be part of this this, this, this journey with you. Uh, I'm sorry, Patrick. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's 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 going to be a lot of great fun going forward. I, I hope people tune in and, and listen to every podcast because we're going to dive into a lot of really cool stuff. But I just wanted to, to to go back a little bit and, and just mention how a lot of people, you know, when they study any sort of fighting system, whether it's traditional martial arts or combat sports, they, they tend to let ego get in the way. And yeah, kind of what, Evan, what you were saying, how, uh, oh, you know, this master combative instructor, he's nothing compared to a jiu-jitsu black belt. And you're like, yeah, of course, because, you know, one's been doing it for 10 or 15 years and one's been doing it for seven weeks. So, uh, right. but to me, that, that, that's neither here nor there because we're talking about saving lives, right? In that right. moment on the street, belts don't matter, right? Styles don't matter. It's whether you can defend against this individual who's going to try to kill you uh, or not. And and so as, as martial artists, uh, whether it's traditional martial arts, combat sports, uh, combatives, uh, firearms, I think we should think of it as that we're on the same team and uh, that we're all trying to help people protect themselves and their loved ones. So uh, people, and we can say, Connor and I can say this honestly, because we've been, we're, we're martial artists, junkies, you know, uh, people get too wrapped up and too, uh, what I call the term true believer in their system. Uh, and they want to defend themselves. And then they, they say that, you know, uh, maybe Tiga Tags is too simple. And, and I, when they say that, or it's too easy, I say, great, fantastic. Because in the street fight, you want it to be as simple as possible so that your reaction reaction is intuitive. And and so we try, again, as Counter mentioned, we try to have no ego in this. Uh, we try to adapt, evolve, and get better. Every evolution, every seminar that we have, every time we pressure test something, uh, we're always going to try to make it better. So there's there should be no, oh, our, this system is better, this style is better, this person is better. It, it should all be that. We should look at it as we're defenders. We're, we're trying to help people defend themselves and be better yeah and the yeah, simplicity let me follow up. Oh, before. Uh, uh, yeah, i'm sorry go ahead i was just say the simplicity is the part of the beauty of it right if when i'm gonna when my daughter gets older this is what i'm teaching her i'm not gonna be mm -hmm. like let's go to the bjj mid movie thai gym for the next you know five years to make sure you're capable and competent <laughs> this is i'm gonna get you functional as soon as possible side note mm -hmm. i have an article on tiga tactics that talks about that if anyone wants to read it and 
I'm going to use Tiga Tactics as the base model for what I teach my kids and what I teach my any of my family members. Jump, jump and and I, I think we also need to take a step back. As civilians, you know, we're not trying to terminate a life uh, or, or trying to break up a big brawl or something like that. As a civilian, we're just merely trying to survive. You know, uh, if, if somebody has enough skill to, to cause someone to, to think second, have, give them second thoughts about, oh, should I press this attack? I'm getting hurt here really bad. Maybe I should stop this and go somewhere else. That's enough. We're not looking for a tap out. We're not looking for a gold medal. We're not looking to knock anyone out. And we're definitely not looking to terminate anyone. We're just trying to give give someone the impression that this dog has fangs. And so let's back off here. And and that's en enough. If, if, if our student, uh, of course, you, you, you know, if our student has the, the situational awareness, they can avoid fights, they can, uh, they, they, they can de-escalate, all of that, uh, that's a win. And if they're ever in a violent encounter and it's enough to cause the person to, to second guess their attack, cause the person to have a change of attitude and a behavioral change, that's enough. That's a win. And so th that's that's what we're trying to do. And and when we say it's simple, uh, th that that's one of our selling points. Uh, um, Miyamoto Musashi said, you know, when there is uh, no hesitation, that's true emptiness. In other words, you shouldn't be like thinking, oh, should I do this? Should I do? It, 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 when you keep it simple, you'll have none of that hesitation. And uh, so uh, the other point, hey, you know, uh, one of the criticisms for Tiga tactics is like, yeah, like what Patrick said. Oh, it's so simple. You know, sometimes we get people looking at our program and they're like, oh my gosh, I was hoping to see more techniques. You know, if you're a technique collector, maybe Tiga tactics, uh, <laughs> the, the self-defense, the combatives isn't for you. You're not going to find 200 techniques against a, a haymaker. You're not going to find 200 disarms against a knife. Uh, in in the Tiga Tactics Combative Program. So uh, yeah, if you're 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 a technique collector, uh, this this probably isn't the the program for you. Gotcha. Good good inf good input, Conrad. Well, we're excited. We got a lot of great episodes coming up. We're gonna deep dive into some of our backgrounds in separate episodes. We're gonna do episodes on tool set, kind of for those of you who are gear junkies, a little more into some some nuances of what to carry, why there's certain benefits to carrying certain things, and. Uh, different recommendations for those uh, mindset episodes talking about a lot of the Tiga tactics models of pyramid of protection, situational awareness type stuff. And then you've got a bunch of great slogans like kind is a choice. The walls are stupid. Uh, safety is an illusion. Stay alert, stay humble, stay kind. We're going to dive into those. And then we're also going to do dive into some of the episodes talking about the different programs you have, right? EDC flashlight, EDC knife, punch defense, club defense, uh, anti-grappling, all that stuff. We got we got a lot of content planned, and then it, I'm I'm also excited about picking your guys' brains on some of the martial arts deep dive episodes, where we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of your, uh, some of the background and the arts you've done, and you know what you've like be specific as far as like what we've taken from them, and, and what uh, you know some of the drawbacks of training those specific styles, right? Because I think every style has a benefit drawback listed for each. So for sure, for sure. All right. Any All right. final I'm final excited. thoughts? Yeah. Final no. thoughts, Patrick, before we go. No, I'm just, I'm just excited. I had a lot of fun today and, uh, and you know, all those subjects you mentioned, 
uh, man, there's so much to each and every one of those. So we're knives and, and firearms, flashlights. There's so much to talk about. I think a lot of people will be really interested in this. Conrad, any final thoughts? No, no. Well, thank you for your time, Evan. Thank you, Patrick. And uh, thank you to the listener for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. All right. Catch all of you later. All right. Take care, everyone.